Welcome to EHS on Tap. I'm your host, Jay Kumar, editor of EHS Daily Advisor. This week, I talked to Kevin Shoemaker, senior product manager of EHS Hero, about how EHS professionals should approach adding new technology. And now, on to the interview. I'm joined today by Kevin Shoemaker, senior product manager at EHS Hero. Welcome, Kevin. Thank you, Jay. Um, and I've had you on a few times, but I guess, you know, if anybody who hasn't heard you uh, talk before, um, tell them a little bit about what EHS Hero is and what you do there. Yeah, so I, I uh, had started my own company years ago, uh, basically uh, developing a one-stop shop for a safety workflow management tools. It was Basic Safe, and we were acquired by Simplify Compliance, which is the EHS Hero uh, product for the compliance side of things. And one of the reasons we went for that uh, and thought it was a good, a great idea is people need both the content and the tools to help them manage their programs. So putting those two together really gave us a, a great opportunity. And they've been gracious enough to keep me on as the senior EHS product manager for the company as we uh, continue to move forward. I've been in safety for about 30 years. Excellent. Well, I wanted to talk to you today about using technology to improve your, your safety program, uh, which is something you certainly uh, know a lot about. And first off, I wanted to ask you, how up to speed are typical EHS professionals with technology? I would say that there, it's, it varies widely. There are some that are still doing everything with paper, and there are some that are uh, very advanced in their programs. But uh, for the most part, I would say most of them are uh, technology is an area that they could they could definitely take more advantage of because I believe uh, there's there's a lot of programs out there, a lot of safety uh, systems and safety solutions that are within various companies that are that have opportunities to take advantage of technology. And, and what technology would you say makes the most sense for EHS compliance these days? Is it software, or you know, um, certainly there's other kind of you know. There's AI, machine learning, you know, there's all sorts of exciting developments now that people can take advantage of. What are you seeing that kind of, uh, you know, makes the most sense in a lot of cases? I think a lot of it has to do with what industry you're in. I mean, if you're out there in the heavy construction industry and you're, you're working around a lot of cranes and uh, track hose and bulldozers and, you know, basically machines that could crush crush the life out of you pretty pretty instantaneously, I think there's things associated with that industry like wearable technology that's that makes a lot of sense it's a little more expensive but it it, uh, it essentially would keep those machines from you know injuring people you know if, if somebody's in the zone they're going to be trying to operate in it'll shut the machine down and i think there's some you know, there's some advantages to having that kind of technology and being able to save someone's life or or save you know a serious injury to somebody in that kind of an environment um, as you get into different kinds of environments, like if you're dealing with uh, just reporting your injuries or investigating your injuries, uh, I think you can use artificial intelligence mm -hmm. and machine learning uh, around equipment for sure, because uh, you can you can have it designed to have take advantage of rules and uh, artificial intelligence algorithms that would keep you know, essentially that would just help protect the workers in a, in a intelligent manner, uh, 
through sensors, smart sensors, smart uh, uh, equipment that can be uh, purchased now with Internet of, of Things tied into it. And th that big data that can then be used to help make decisions and, and be measured to uh, increase the efficiency and, and uh, effectiveness of, of different uh, your business program for protecting your workers. Uh, what are some mistakes that EHS professionals make when they purchase and incorporate new technology? Oftentimes, I think they they don't think about the long term effects. You know, it's not just I'm going to buy this software and it's going to cost me. I mean, I'll just be hypothetical: a hundred thousand dollars to buy this software, hmm. and I'm going to put it across the entire company. You know, maybe I'm a Fortune 500 company. I'm going to put it across the entire company. That's great. But you also have to train everybody at all your facilities. You also have to sustain that software over the next, you know, every year. So you need to put in place uh, some ongoing training uh, to make sure because people any anymore, there's a lot of turnover in the workplace. So people will either get promoted, they'll get another job, you'll hire somebody new into the position. Well, now that's somebody that hasn't been through the training associated with the software you've got in place. And they need to be they need to be trained so that they can take full advantage of it. So I think some that's one of the mistakes that I've seen. Um, one of the other things I've seen is is not having all of your various systems incorporated and integrated together. Um, you know, if you're if you're if you're doing training, you've got to do training on what's specific to your facilities. So you'll have specific job you know, lockout tagout processes. You'll have specific confined space processes that are just for your facility and those need to be tied into your training and you need to track those as part of your training management and training tracking. And when you have systems that aren't integrated, it's, it's, it, it creates a lot of extra paper pushing and paperwork uh, for a safety professional to keep track of that in, in the event that OSHA ever came in and did an audit of their, of your program, you need that paperwork available and the tracking capability for it. But it's, it's just, it's kind of, just being a clerk function, if you will. I like to see the safety people that have that are experienced and have the right training. I like to see them out on the floor finding ways to, you know, make the facilities or the the job workplace safer. You know, take advantage of their their education, take advantage of their experience, and have them out walking the floor. I mean, there's there's any number of studies that will indicate that having your managers out walking the floor will improve the uh, morale and improve the productivity of your your workers out there uh, just because you're interacting with them. And I think putting those people out on the plant floor versus pushing paper in their office is a, is a big advantage. And how much should you involve staff input before acquiring new technology? Because obviously those are the folks who have to use it in some cases. I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah, I... I don't. I I personally think that that's invaluable because if you don't get that buy-in and you don't involve them in in assisting with making the choice, if it's just somebody at the in the C-suite or some you know the owner of the company says, "Hey, we're buying this and we're going to use it," mm -hmm. that's that's a lot different than the people that have to use it. Say, "Hey, we went through an evaluation process. We looked at five vendors. This is the one that's going to you know give us the best bang for our buck and give us the best easiest." system to use because what what I find in in my last 30 years is 
if it's easy to use and it's simple, people will use it. If it's difficult and you got to go to six different pages to log an incident, that's people are going it, to, it's going to be a struggle to try to get it to be used. And for it to be valuable, it needs to be used. And then you need to be able to measure the information that's being put into it. Yeah, I mean, do you see people get kind of blinded by bells and whistles and, you know, kind of new features and but without really sort of testing to see if that's the uh, the right product for them? Yeah, I, I oftentimes will liken it to building a house. You know, you if you build your house and you make it really fancy with lots of trim and lots of really nice, you know, embellishments on it, um, you know, that's fine but the, the the issue is you have to have a good foundation or it's just going to sink into the ground so you got to start with a good foundation make sure your data is good make sure the system's robust make sure that it's easy to use and then add the flashy pieces and then and the nice to have things to it um because it you got to have the foundation that is sustainable and and supports uh, the rest of the the system otherwise it, it'll fall down around you kind of What's sort of involved in the due diligence process as you're researching new technology, um, you know, with obviously the intent to buy? Like, you know, we mentioned staff input. What are some other things that, um, you know, that folks should do to kind of uh, properly investigate, uh, you know, new technology? I would say making sure that, you know, the various modules will work together. You know, if you've got, you only want to put your information in one place. So you need to have one source of truth. So uh, if you've got to put the same information in three or four different places to use a particular system or a particular series of systems, I would say that's not a that's not a direction you should go. Um, you need to consider the implementation costs. If it's a simple system to get set up and simple to get configured and easy to make it similar to what your your people and staff are going are used to using, I think that's important. Um, if it's going to be a big change and a whole different method of doing things versus what they're used to doing and you can't configure it to, you know, to where they understand the terms and, uh, the workflow associated with doing, uh, your system, it's going to be more difficult to get that to be successful. Does it make sense to I could talk to somebody who's already purchased that product to oh, kind of see absolutely. how that's, you know, how it's worked out for them? Absolutely. That, yeah, that's that's a good, that's a very good point, Jay. Um, it, getting references from people using the system, uh, getting references on what the customer service is like. Um, uh, I find, e even in my personal life, it seems like people have kind of forgotten what customer service is that they're in business to, you know, to to meet the customer's needs. Um, so I, I think those are very important things because if you have a product and you, and you find something that needs to be uh, fixed in it or that's not working properly and you can't get somebody to fix it, that's, it's not really going to be that valuable for you to have that product. But yeah, customer service uh, is, is a very important factor, even, even if, uh, well, it's just a very important factor. You need, you need to be able to get help when you need help, even if it's not a problem with the product. You still need to be able to get help to understand how to use it. Um, and how do you? How should you approach management when you're looking to get buy-in/slash permission for new technology? I mean, is that sort of 
the last step after you kind of run through these other things we've been talking about, like getting, you know, uh, staff input and, you know, doc getting references, things like that, then you kind of go to management? Yeah, that you have, you have to present your information in a manner that uh, will speak to them. Management, you know, they're, they're dealing with everything in the company. They're not just dealing with safety. They're dealing with, you know, productivity, profitability, finances, the bank that they're borrowing money from every they're dealing with everything and they only have so much money they can spend. So if you think about it, you know, am I going to spend my money on safety this year or am I going to put in this new improvement to my production line that improves it by 50% and, and then it improves, you know, productivity, improves profitability. Those are important things. So you have to present, you have to present that to management in a way that, isn't an alarmist type of, of methodology because if if you're always going to management saying hey we're going to kill somebody if we don't do this or we're going to cut somebody's arm off that's kind of what i call an alarmist mm -hmm. uh, methodology and approach that'll that'll get old because you know they may look at it and go well we haven't killed anybody yet so it's let's go put our money over here you have to convince them that we're going to be able to do this it's going to improve productivity there, even OSHA on their own website has studies that show what the productivity improvements can be uh, associated with creating a safer work environment. People people want to work where they they consider that they are, you know, they are valued, and and because they are valued, you are going to do things to improve the safety and the culture of their uh, work environment. And I think I think if you can explain that to management in a way that uh, you know, it's a kind of talks their language like, you know, we're going to get return on this money. We're going to get we're going to go spend a dollar and we're going to get two or three dollars back for every dollar we spend. And like I said, National Safety Council, OSHA, ASSP, there's there's quite a number of uh, various organizations that have studied investment in safety and spending associated with safety and validated that that, that it's a good investment. It's just safety people have a a history of not being very good at communicating that to the management <laughs> folks. So what do they, I mean, I guess obviously the challenge is getting through, you know, especially if there's something, you know, like you said, sort of an improvement to the, you know, to the production line that's a lot, you know, at least on the surface looks a lot sexier and, you know, promises, you know, a lot of profits, you know, what's, how does that, uh, challenge present itself for the safety professional who's trying to say, you know, uh, yeah, we can save save money here, but we can also save lives. I mean, you've obviously got fines. There are things that can happen, you know, as a result of you know accidents that you can prevent. Uh, but how, I don't know how hard is it to make that argument, you know, especially when you're competing with somebody else in your company for you know for that that uh, investment. It, it definitely is a challenge and it's a challenge, you know, these people have to almost be their own salesman. You know, they got to go out and sell their idea over the engineering staff or over the, you know, the finance staff that, hey, we're going to we're going to do this and and it's going to provide X. You know, the engineers are going to walk in and say, hey, we're going to put in this new palletizer and it's going to save 40 jobs because it's automating the, you know, the job they used to do by hand and it's going to save those jobs. Well, that's that's very black and white. Yeah. And so a manager, or a CEO or a CFO is going to look at that and go, well, wow, that's pretty clear. But it's, it's more 
it's more of a gray area for a safety guy when they're, okay, we're not really going to save this money, but if you have one fatality, you it's know, it's going to cost you. Yeah. It's, that's like a million. I think NSC said from 2020, that's a $1.4 million for a fatality is what the, what the cost of the company is wow. going to be. And so, yeah, but you know, the, most companies are pretty concerned about not, and probably will not see a lot of fatalities, but that risk is still there. So it's it's a balancing act. Um, a lot of people are, are basing that now on culture improvement. You know, if you invest in safety, that's an improvement in your culture. And an improvement in culture pays off in a lot of ways. You get higher productivity, higher morale for your employees, higher, uh, you know, higher retention. Uh, having to replace your employees because you have turnover all the time is very expensive. But if you value your employees, you share with them that you're investing in safety to make the workplace safer for them. You're, you know, listening to them. You're, those things pay off, but it, it is more of a gray area because it's, it's not like, okay, we're going to eliminate these 40 jobs. That's pretty black and white. So yeah. you have to compete with that. And it's, it's, it's definitely a challenge. And, and you're, you'll also have to learn, you know, what the, what is, what are the, some, some people that are, you know, in the higher management for some companies, Hey, we're going to do what OSHA requires and that's it, you know, because that's going to keep us from getting those fines and that's all we're going to do. Some companies, you know, will listen to those employees and say, Hey, if you, if you think this is an improvement, but you know, the employees have to be realistic too. If it's a million dollar, expense to do what they're asking to be done and it's a gray payoff it may it may be hard to get management to buy off on it just because of the numbers yeah. you know um, but, do you see that that are is that argument becoming a little more a little easier to make now that you know last few years we've sort of seen a big a, a focus on safety because of covid and uh and other things you know is that is that are more companies kind of open to preventive uh, strategies as you know as far as safety goes i my opinion is yes um the being able to keep those employees from you know looking for and taking other jobs is valuable i mean you, you lose productivity you have to retrain a new employee right. you lose knowledge you, you lose experience that companies are recognizing that is as a you know more and more valuable um, resource to be able to uh, provide a workplace where you you know I think the average my my daughter just told me this because she just graduated with her degree the average uh, time that people are spending at you know that are just graduating from college the average time they're spending at a job is less than two years wow yeah and so if you can do something that takes that from two years to six years, you just increase the, the you know, the value of that is is very substantial, and it, but you also have to demonstrate it. You're going to have to measure it and show management that we did this and here's the results, because that's the thing the engineering group's going to do. They're going to go, hey, we eliminated these 40 jobs, so we saved the money we said we were going to save. Mm -hmm. You know, now they didn't. They don't talk about the fact that, you know, maybe it hurt morale a little bit and productivity of the whole company went down because 40 people got laid off. <laughs> yeah. You know, that that 
that's a that's a, a measurement that is is not really paid attention to as as quickly. But if you can do things where you can show you're retaining employees for longer, your uh, your productivity is increasing because you know safe, happy employees are going to they're just going to give you more productivity. Um, I think there's I think it is an easier argument to make. Yeah. Um, so say you know you're able to successfully make the argument and management buys uh, buys in and you you get the uh, the new tech. You know what's the best way to go about integrating that new technology? A lot depends on where you're at with, you know, if you're going from one or maybe you're going from 12 systems to one system because now you can consolidate it. That's a much different ask than going from paper to paperless. So if you're going from paper and you're going for the first time into a paperless system, you need to you need to consider how are we going to get all this these hard copies into the system. Somebody's got to configure all that. Somebody's got to put it all in. It's got to be put in in a manner that, you know, that the the employees can get to it. Um, you have to think about how are we going to get this technology in the employees' hands? Are there, is there going to be kiosks out there, or their computers in the in the lunchroom, maybe, or the break room? Are they going to have it on their mobile devices or on the, a tablet that they carry with them? How are they going to get access to it? Because just because it's on the on the web or on the internet, or or even on a computer system for a company, the employees have to get to it. You know, and in the past, things like SDS sheets, they'd go on. You know, they'd be on a, a ten foot wide shelf. You know, in in the supervisor's office, in a binder, a bunch, right? Yeah, had a bunch of three three inch three ring binders yeah. because they have eighteen hundred <laughs> SDSs that they're supposed to keep current and. I mean, I've been at, I've been at companies where there were, you know, one or two people that that's the only thing they did the whole year was just you know keep SDS sheets up to date and and maintain the binders, you know. But that that can be automated now. But the employee still needs to be able to get to it yeah. for when they work with that chemical. Um, and in terms of just I guess integrating you know the tech with you know your systems. Um, you know, what sort of steps do you need to take to kind of kind of get it? You know, you kind of mentioned that, you know, you want to make sure you get something that works with the other, you know, the other products you have. How do you sort yeah. of go through, you know, kind of working that in? Obviously, you've sort of done initial research to make sure that it can happen, but then you actually have to do it, right? Yeah. So you're, you're probably got a, an accounting system that manages all your payroll and all your employees' data. Some people call it like an HRIS. Human Resource Information System. So that system needs to be able to talk to your safety system because guess what? All those same people that are in the payroll system also have to be in and being tracked in the in the safety management system. So so you need to have those be able to talk to each other because again, you don't want to put data the same data in multiple places. You want to have one source of truth. So maybe for all your employees that source of truth is your payroll system because uh, you know let's let's be honest here people really make sure that the payroll system is correct because they want to get their paycheck you know so it's likely that that's going to be a focus for most companies and is likely to be you know maintained diligently and correctly so that's a good place to to get your employee data um, when people are going out and working on equipment they're going to be integrating or tying in with uh, what would be called a CMMS system, computerized maintenance management system. 
So that system should be able to talk to the, you know, to the safety system because when people go to do work on equipment, there may be some special work instructions. There may be lockout tagouts or confined space entry permits or dangerous job permits that have to be filled out and managed and signed off and, and stored for for when you know OSHA comes in and does an inspection or just for when people do their own internal audits, you know, to make sure that they're doing things in a manner that's safe and keep and protects their employees. Now <clears throat> we had one of our customers that you know they upgraded their systems because their own internal audits just kept dinging dinging them because they uh, they were showing deficiencies in the way they were managing their their confined space programs. So they they eventually ended up upgrading their system and, and putting in a more uh, more robust confined space system. And if you've got something that obviously you know you've spent a fair amount of money on and you've had to make you know, sort of a big pitch and you've got to, you know, sort of work everybody in. How often, how uh, important is it to sort of show progress and success, you know, uh, after you've, you know, integrated it, you know, whether it's through like regular reports or whatever, like, you know, how, uh, I guess, how incumbent is it upon the safety professional to kind of say, hey, this is what we're, you know, doing. This is what's, you know, here's the positive things that we've done with this product. I think uh, I, I don't think it's possible to be successful unless you do that. Yeah. Because you know the management's going to need to see. Okay, we we spent you know the hundred thousand dollars that you proposed to spend. What what has what has become mm -hmm. of that hundred thousand dollars? You know, oh, we just spent it and now it's gone and and we didn't see any change. No, you don't. That's not the story you want them to have in their head. The story you want to have in their head is, okay, we spent that hundred thousand and we made five hundred thousand because, you know, we we had these injuries. You know, we're measuring near misses, and we had these these near misses that could have been serious injuries that we avoided. We we were auditing and we found these issues that we assigned actions to people, and they went out and solved them as preventative actions rather than corrective actions after somebody's already been hurt anything you can do to show mm -hmm. okay we're doing these things these things there's the 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 safety industry for has what they call leading indicators that have been known since the 1960s and these leading indicators will tell you if you do all these things then you're going to have less injuries so you know measuring those leading indicators showing that you're doing them and then showing the results yeah, last year before we implemented this system, we we had one company that they implemented uh, one of our well a full a full suite of tools, and they're they they were self insured because they were a Fortune 500 company, and their costs went from over a million dollars for this one single site a year for Workman's Comp to less than four hundred thousand in one year. Wow! And when you can show those kind of numbers to management and say, look at you know look we only spent a hundred thousand. And yet, just on workman's comp claims and costs alone, we saved six hundred thousand. You're going to get people's attention, and you give yourself credibility. So the next time you go and ask for a hundred thousand, they're going to go, "Yeah, where do I sign?" <laughs> you know, last time you gave me six hundred thousand back. I'm ready to sign up again. Yeah, but it, it's 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 not what did you do for me last time? It's what have you done for me lately? Right. You got to right. keep you got to keep doing it. You got to keep measuring. You got to keep showing your progress. 
um, because that's that's where you're going to really get management's attention, in my opinion. Yeah, that's good advice. Well, Kevin, I want to thank you so much for joining me today. It's been really great. Yeah, I appreciate I appreciate you giving me the opportunity, Jay. Thank you. All right. That wraps up episode 111 of EHS on Tap. You can find more information about the show and listen to on-demand episodes at ehsdailyadvisor.blr.com. You can subscribe to the show on SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Google Play, iTunes, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I hope to join me next time.